So this last week, a really wonderful Zen teacher whose books some of you have probably read, Charlotte Jokobeck, died in her 90s. And she was a remarkable person who had a community down in San Diego for many, many years and wrote some very, very good books about practice. So if you want to add to your stack by your bedside table of Buddhist books, the endless stack of Buddhist books, you could look for her. And I was very taken with one of the things that she said not long before she died, which was, here she was in her mid-90s, she'd done all this practice, and she was still dealing with the same stuff (laughs) that she'd been dealing with ever since she was 18 or 19. So, you know, I presume that people are laughing because we all know that that's true, right? Here we are, nobody in here, we haven't reached our mid-90s yet, but it's beginning to look appallingly repetitive. (laughs) But she said the thing that had changed was that the issues were the same, but that she behaved better around them. And I thought, yeah, that's mostly true. And I've just come back from a period of time visiting some uh, with my sister, who lives on the East Coast. And, um, you know, if you want to see where you're not cooked yet, you know, go back and visit your family of origin, your sisters, your brothers, Probably most of us don't have parents anymore, but a few of us do, I know. And that's always the place where the oldest issues will come back. Because these are our oldest relationships, and, you know, we know how to trigger each other, right? So, you know, I almost invariably spend a little time on the telephone with my husband complaining, and, you know, because she's pushing my buttons one more time. I'd like to think I was better behaved. I don't know, you probably have to ask her. Um, But I think I did better. So, in thinking about all of this, and thinking about this chunk that we're going to be teaching on Thursday nights called The Wings of Awakening today, and as I mentioned at the beginning, I had this conversation this morning with someone who said, well, yeah, you have to get all 37 wings of awakening because it's a list of lists and there's 37. It's the four foundations of mindfulness, the four wise ways to use your energy, what's called the four powers, which I actually don't remember right at the top of my head, um, the five spiritual faculties, and an exactly identical list that's called the five strengths the seven factors of enlightenment, so those things that are involved in the actual process of waking up in the Eightfold Path. So, there's 37 things on this list. Some of them are on it more than once. And, um, the thought of trying to get 37 wings going all at once to work in sync is a little scary, isn't it? And I think it's much more helpful, as I said then, to think of these as these are it's like a survival kit I, I started to say a tool kit but actually while I was sitting just now I thought no it's, it's really a survival kit because these are the things that 
you can pull out at any moment in any situation, usually one or another of them is appropriate, to help you wake up. And and I think it's hugely important. You know, sometimes you hear that people say, well, is Buddhism a religion or is it a philosophy? And um, there are people who will say, oh, it's a religion. You know, it's just like any other religion. And other people say, no, 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 it's a philosophy, it's not a religion. But I actually think the most interesting way to hold Buddhist practice is that it's a way. It's a path. And what you see in terms of metaphysical insights or deep insights into the nature of our being, that's not so much the heart of it. The heart of it is the way. This way that you practice, that you walk, that you live your life. And if you're going to then be on the way in every moment of your life, there's no place that's outside of practice. You don't get to sit for half an hour in the morning and then go, okay, now I'm done. And then you get to go kick the dog and send an email and, you know, fight with your sister or whatever. You, the whole thing becomes practice. So in the same conversation this morning, this person had had something happen and had reacted with actually really strong anger and had actually banged on a wall or a door or something. Probably, totally justified, actually. And this person was upset, you know, because of, here they are, they're practicing, and all of a sudden there's this anger. Now, I'll bet there's not a person in this room who hasn't had this experience when, you know, despite all of your years of practice, something happens, and the anger is just there and you say what you say or you do what you do and then afterwards you think, oh, you know, how could I? What happened? What happened to all that practice? And who knows? I don't know that there's any easy answer to what happened to all of that practice in that particular moment. And that's the that's the place where you know, okay. Now, what, what do I learn from this? How can I find the right tool, if you will? You know, is it part of mindfulness, if I had been being more mindful? Is it someplace that I wasn't bringing quite enough effort? You know, those kinds of things. How do I wake up in those moments when I'm triggered? Because that's really... So we'll be working our way through all of these lists to begin to... You know, make them, I thought it would be useful for this group. I know some of you are relatively new to practice, others of you aren't, but that's all right. You know, it's, it's, a, it's one of those conversations that I think is useful on multiple levels to really begin to look at how do we find this place of waking up in any given moment. So that said, one of the interesting things about this particular list, list of lists, is it doesn't have really any of the heart stuff. It's not about loving kindness, not about compassion, it's not about sympathetic joy or gladness, it's not about, um, does have, I think equanimity is in there for sure, it, it doesn't have patience, it doesn't have some of these other factors that, that we talk about a lot. 
And so it seems really important as we come to it or as we consider, well, you know, you've got this toolkit in one hand, but you know, you know how it is with any tool, you can use it in a way that's kind of <laughs> harsh and bang the hammer, or you can do it in a way that has some sense of kindness and patience and compassion. So it really seems like um, the, the wings of awakening really come from the wisdom side of the practice, and very, very important to hold them with the compassion side of the practice, with that place where the heart is open. And so when we make these kinds of mistakes, like this person did who was talking to me this morning, or that I do when I'm with my sister or my brother, or you do when you're with Aunt Bessie or whoever, you know, that we hold that with some compassion so that um, we're able to learn from it. Because it's interesting, isn't it? When we don't hold it with compassion, when we get angry and judgmental and how could I, and you not only are you kicking the dog, you're kicking yourself, and you're sending all the nasty emails to yourself, do you learn? No. You know, mostly we contract and shut down, and that's not such a, a helpful place in our practice. So we really need to hold it all with that kind of open-heartedness. And actually, I suppose, it's sort of interesting, isn't it? I'm thinking a lot here at the moment. But there aren't, if there's any place on the Buddhist list that I know of that has a sense of humor. It's really too bad, isn't it? Because a sense of humor is really invaluable in this work. And that, that and I think maybe um, it's possible that a sense of humor is deeply related to compassion and kindness. I think it probably is. So that place where, you know, if you kind of go, and then you laugh instead of being angry at yourself because it is kind of funny in a way and in a sort of a black way. But that, that little place of laughter and allows us to relax and to soften and to open and then I think do whatever we need to do this next. So I think I'll stop there and see if there's questions or comments from what I've said or curiosity questions if there's something that is not clear about where we're going. And what I will say, just say, is that, that as I'm on the weeks that I'm not here, I'll just point whoever's going to be here to teach that week's list. So he'll, he or she will be in sync with what Dan and I are teaching on Thursday. Shama is not a... Yeah, no reaction. Um, that disappointment that you point out that there's this practice that this person I've heard of the wings of awakening, but to hear that it doesn't have compassion, it's like, oh no. You know, <laughs> Why? It's so important to those me. monks. What? <laughs> those monks. Well, and <laughs> so I've heard I've got a sense of humor. Um, uh, I recently heard a teacher, James Brown, is talking, focusing on the joy.
And, I mean, just if you think about it, let's play the little, it's the wings of awakening. Now, for one thing, I love the title of the list. Just the feathers. What? The, the feathers and wings and. The tail, the rudder. Yeah, and it's all about waking up, which is certainly a very joyful thing. So, there, I think there's a way to hold this list, and maybe it will be interesting to see if we can do this as we go through. But there's a lot of joy in that. That I mean, for one thing, as I think about what Joko Beck said, and think about how I've learned to behave better, one of the ways that I've used, what a great deal of what I've used, are these lists. You know, what's needed in this particular moment. I could, and I had some moments like this last week, I was like, okay, I can behave badly. And I know how to do that, that's sort of automatic, right? Or, is there a way that I can be mindful? What do I need to bring to the situation? And, and you know, you can err on the side of getting too saintly, right? <laughs> Somehow I should just be above it all. And I can tell you that one does not work. You know, it's very codependent and it doesn't work. So there's a way in which, well, what's, what's real? What needs to be spoken to? What doesn't? How do I take care of myself? How do I hold this whole thing with kindness and compassion for everyone? Sense of humor, definitely. Sense of humor, yeah. Barbara, please. Yeah, two things. First of all, are these lists put together and published? There's an entire book, which you probably don't want to read, um, (laughs) that's called um, The Wings of Awakening. It's by Tanjak or Tanisaro Bhikkhu, who has written a gazillion books. It's mostly um, some fairly interesting commentary on sutta passages, so it's a pretty dense book. Um, I don't think that anyone's actually written a lighter book about it. You know, like the one we're going to use in the fall for the committed students group that Sylvia wrote on the Paramis. It'd be lovely if there were a wings book. Maybe I'll write it. I don't know. No. <laughs> my second comment is just that I always think that um, my experience with Buddhist monks and the Dalai Lama and is that they are very funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some of them are. Very, very funny. Incredible sense of humor. Incredible mm-hmm. sense of humor. Crap itself out. So, you know, so where does that come from? Right. It's fascinating. It's true. It's there, isn't it? We just don't, it just doesn't get named a lot. I mean, the Dalai Lama. Happiness. So he, he talks about happiness all, all the, the time. time. Right. Yeah, happiness. Right. Maybe the others just assume. Did you say you cracked yourself up? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It does crack yourself up. Yeah. It's very funny. And, um, who is it that laughs at his own jokes? Ajahn Sumedho. Yeah. You know, who is a wonderful teacher and monk. And he will tell a story and he'll just laugh and laugh and laugh. Everybody falls off his cushion. He's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. And he is funny. So, of course, he gets started laughing, and then everybody laughs. And it really helps to hold all of this. So when it gets kind of like, <clears throat> then that's the place, I think, to watch out for. Please. It seems like the intersection of where the, where the humor is and, and things I've read is, is where, um, we're, you know, we can look at human nature. 
Well, human nature is inherently funny uh, in relation to <laughs> how we should be behaving and how we are. Right. There's just endless stories. Right. They don't even need a punchline. Sometimes <laughs> they're very dry, but it's just <laughs> hilarious. We are a fairly amazing race. Yeah. One more question. Um, the other thing I heard about Trump Jill Kovac's death is that her last words were this too is wonder. Yeah. Um, her last words were this too is wonder. Mm. Oh. Thank you. I hadn't remembered. I, I, I thought about that earlier and I wasn't sure I remembered it right, so I'm glad you brought it. What was that referring to? That that was her last words just before she died. What is it referring to? The yeah. process of dying, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. She's not here to ask, right? <laughs> <laughs> Say her name again. Charlotte Joko, J-O-K-O, B-E-C-K. So Joko is her Zen name, I think. And Charlotte was her given name.